Welcome into the Air Raid Sports Podcast. I am Chandler Carney. With me as always, Brady Scott. What up? Right here today, we're going to kick off things with the NBA, and we're going to talk Jimmy Butler trade, and Brady Scott has the latest for us. Well, if you had not heard, Jimmy Butler has been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers for a bag of balls. Just kidding. They got Robert Covington and Saric. I don't know how to say his first name. And a 2022 second-round pick. Yeah, that's a great trade, man. What were the Timberwolves thinking? They had an offer from the Rockets of four first-rounders for Jimmy Butler. And you're going to take this trade for two role players and a second-round pick that's going to pan out to be nothing. Yeah, I mean, they they pretty much traded away for half a carton of cigarettes. I mean, they'd have probably been happier getting a bag of balls than what they got. Yeah. It's I mean, stupid. They could at least got a washing machine in the trade. I mean, crap, man. I feel like they should have went and tried to get J.J. Redick in that trade. They should have tried to get somebody better. I agree. I mean, I feel like J.J. Redick, if you throw J.J. Redick and Robert Covington in, I feel like that would have been a fair trade. A better trade. A better trade. I wouldn't say fair trade. It wouldn't. I mean, they couldn't trade anybody where it would be fair outside of trading Simmons or Embiid, and you knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, they could have at least sent Fultz over there. Let him try to develop. I feel like they would I don't know if they would have taken that, though. Fultz is trash. He can't shoot a free throw. He can't shoot, period. It's hilarious watching him shoot free throws. It's like watching Shaq shoot free throws. No, it's worse. I really think. It's, it's mean, almost as bad as watching Charles Barkley hit a golf ball. Yeah, that's pretty tough. It, it's terrible. I mean, he, I don't know what he thinks. He, like, gets up there and goes to shoot, and then he stops, and then he shoots again. I but don't understand that. Jimmy Butler, you know, he's in Philadelphia now, and he says that he already has a lot of respect for Markel Fultz, and he says he thinks his problem is just mental. I do, too. I mean, once something like that gets in your head, it's hard to get out, especially when they're talking about it every day. And that's all the media wants to ask you, hey, what's wrong with your free throw shooting, man? Hey, what what are you doing to work on your free throw shooting? Obviously, he should say nothing because that's what he's doing. I mean, I don't know. It's a tough spot to be in. I think that Tom Thibodeau is the reason that the Timberwolves had to end up with this trade because he didn't want Jimmy Butler to go. I think they had to get him out before the end of the season because they really want to sign re-sign Cap, and Cap did not like playing with Jimmy Butler at all. And it's because Jimmy Butler called him out, and that's no. why. You can't be a little baby. No. And that's I think that's the only reason they ended up trading him, because they really want to re-sign Towns. And I don't think Towns re-signs if you're going with Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler wasn't wrong, was he? No. And what he said about Cat. Uh-uh. He wasn't wrong about anything. Uh-uh. But to not trade him to the Rockets for four, four first-round draft picks. I don't care if they're all in the 20s. I don't either. Because even then, you can trade those and get, you know, better spots to move up in. I mean, crap, look. The Lakers' best player they've gotten in the draft was Kuzma, and they got him at 19. Yeah, I mean, there are people late that you can get. Yeah. But it doesn't happen like that every year. No, but there's talent there. The second round in the NBA is literally like six, seventh rounds. It's a lot, late last day of the NFL draft. Yeah. I mean, and even there... I'd say it's more like free agency. Yeah, because, like, I, and I'm going to say this. 
I've said it to you before. I think the MLB has a great concept of their draft and their farm system and building up players. Uh, you can get a kid really late there, really late, and you can develop him into the player you want him to be. It don't always work out. No, but, it but say you get a guy late. How many rounds are in the MLB draft? It's like a thirty something. It's a shit ton. I know that. Yeah. Say you get somebody on that last round and that last day, you could still let him come for a little bit of money, and you can try to pan him out. You don't get those options, really, nah. in 40, the MLB or NFL. You get 40 rounds in the MLB drive. I mean, that's crazy. It is. And you got people playing in the Cape Cod leagues, you know, in the, as amateurs and all that. And that's big development for college players. I mean, that's where, that's where the premier college players go to get MLB looks, basically. Yeah. The who's who of college baseball, if they're healthy, they play in the Cape during the summer. Yeah. And for no money. It's an amateur right. league. They just go up there and live. And they live in a host family's house. So, I mean, that's all it is. And I mean. We should buy a house in Cape Cod. Talking about developing players in the MLB draft. Mike Piazza, you know the name? Yeah, Hall of Fame catcher. Take Drafted by the Dodgers. In the 62nd round of the 1988 MLB Amateur Draft, the 1,390th player selected, and he's in the Hall of Fame. And there's probably there's probably not 1,090 players have better careers than him. No. They used to have a bobblehead of Mike Piazza. My uncle gave it to me. I, I, don't, I didn't know who he was. Maybe. I literally thought his last name was Pizza. Yeah. And that's how, that's honestly, that's how I know who you're talking about. I mean, one of the best catchers of all time. I wouldn't say the best catcher, but he's No, because the best catcher of all time is Brady Scott. No. Let's not push it. Not push it? I appreciate it. Your second best? I don't know. I wouldn't say that either. Let's buy a house in Cape Cod, man, and, and host these people. With what money? I'm just saying, you know, one day we get money, you just buy a house in Cape Cod. Hey, if you support us living in Cape Cod, send us some money. Yeah, we'll start a GoFund us. Is it, I guess it would still be a GoFundMe, wouldn't it? Yeah, GoFundMe account. Yeah, that's my bad. It's okay, man. What about yeah. the melodrama? Speaking of the Rockets and, and their dumb trade offer that the Timberwolves didn't take because they're, they're screwing, dumber. They're screwing Melo. Melo is the scapegoat because they're trying to mask their problems on him. Yes. They're trying to get – what they don't realize, Melo's not the main problem. I mean, he doesn't I'm even not, play. I'm not going to say he's not some of it, but he's not the main problem, and I'm just eager to see what they do when they still suck after he gets out the door. Here's the thing, and I've told you this at least 17 times. The Houston Rockets will not win an NBA championship as long as Chris Paul is with them. I mean, what I don't understand, it didn't work in New York. Why did they think D'Antoni and Carmelo would work in Houston? I, I don't know. It did not work in New York when he was in his prime. It's not going to work. I think Chris Paul convinced them to do it. Yeah. I really, I mean, I really do. I mean, they gave him a shot. I mean, if he'd have come out and had a great year, you'd have said, oh, they're the smartest franchise. I wouldn't have said that. You'd have said it was a great move. I still wouldn't have said that. I mean, it was a risk. You gotta admit it was a risk. If it had paid off, they'd have looked smart. They would have, but for how long? Because it's not gonna last multiple years. 
You can they put your different. They only needed him for this year. So you're saying they only needed him for this year, and then next year they just move on from him? Yeah. But if why? You, if it worked out this year, why not try to re-sign him? Let's be honest. If you'd have got a good year out of Melo this year, he, he would have needed to go ahead and hang it up because that would have been all you were going to get. He's getting old, I agree. And out of all the all the guys in his draft class, let's just say that Oster draft class is one of the best of all times, if not the best. He's the he's the most downward out of all the former superstars. Yeah. Because you can still see flashes of Dwayne Wade, even though this is his last year. You see flashes of it, of old vintage D Wade. I think you Mello, don't see that with Melo. I think he needs to go home. When he left Denver, it was over. I just think he needs to hang him up after this year. If he gets home somewhere else, play out the rest of the year, play it out, and then go home. Because he's not going to get valuable minutes like he thinks he deserves. Because he's not that kind of player anymore. Yeah. So he just shouldn't. He just shouldn't play. If that's the mindset you're going to have, you don't want to be a team guy and come off the bench and play 16 minutes a game and maybe have six points and have a lot of rebounds. You just need to go home because that's the only role he can play right now. Great old players recognize when Vince Carter, Dirk Nowinski, Zach Randolph. They realize we're old, we're here for a reason, and our our role is to be the mentor and to come off the bench and provide valuable minutes. Yeah. Some folks just can't accept that. No, and I don't get why Melo couldn't. Like, if LeBron couldn't accept it, that's one thing. Yeah. But Melo not accepting it, he's never played at the level of LeBron. Because like MJ, when he got older, he went to a bad team where he was still the guy. So he could be the guy. And I don't disrespect that at all. He actually posted statistically yeah, his best seasons. I mean, he knew he wasn't going to win championships there. But he went there to put up numbers. And if that's what Melo wants to do, go play in Sacramento. Go play in, you know, Brooklyn. You already lived in New York. I mean, they just lost their best player to a gruesome. I hadn't seen it. But yeah, and actually, they came out and said it was just a dislocated ankle. Really? And it was not going to require surgery. Oh, that's good. Yes. It, I mean, it was nasty. Because they said it looked sort of like Gordon Hayward's injury last yeah. year. But I think the thing was Hayward actually broke his leg in the process yeah. of it. Same way with Fitzgerald. Because he broke so his nasty. leg and dislocated his ankle. Nothing will ever be nastier than the Kevin Ware injury. Never. I remember watching that live. It was it was sick. It was nasty. And I think Paul George is in that I was watching that game. That was I just need to stop watching basketball, I guess. Well, apparently when you do people get hurt. I feel like I've seen all these injuries live. Speaking of injuries, what about Des Bryant tearing his Achilles on That's the second day? There was so much Hope for I that. I felt like he was going to have a good year. I felt like he was going to, you know, get a big contract next year. I feel like the Saints are going to give him another chance, though. Well, I mean, they'd be crazy not to. You can sign him for the veteran minimal. Yeah. And, which doesn't hurt you. And if he, and if he comes back healthy, because, I mean, that, that that's a long injury to recover from. Yeah. If he comes back healthy, then you get good numbers out of him for nothing. nothing Just like you would have done this year. Yeah. But then they go outside Brandon Marshall yesterday. And I know you don't agree with this, so tell me why. I just don't think every team Brandon Marshall's been a part of 
he's been a good receiver, but the team has been terrible. Like when he gets there, the team's supposed to be good. Every time somebody signs Brandon Marshall, it's like we're gonna be good now. Luckily, the Saints are already good, yeah. and they don't have that pressure. But you look when he went to New York. Everybody was like, okay, this is a weapon they need to get all the coverage off of Odell, and what happened? Nothing. They were still trash. I just don't think he's as good as everybody thinks he is. I think he He's can old. Put, he can put up some numbers in this system, maybe. But just because Drew Brees is going to put it on his hands. Well, the thing is, is if he comes in and it, what happens, what, what you say happens, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis will not hesitate to waive him. Yeah. Same way with Adrian Peterson. It wasn't working out after a couple of weeks, and he was starting to create some noise in the locker room, and they shipped his ass to Arizona. Yeah. I just don't think it was a good move. I think that it's a good move to do what they want it to do. Because they don't necessarily want him to put up so many numbers. They want him to mentor these young guys. Yeah. The the most veteran receiver they have is Mike Thomas. Yeah. And he's been in the league, what, three years? But Dez is still in the facility. But he'll be he'll want. be recovering and all of that yeah. and he won't travel with the team but or he'll anything. Be at practice. So he'll be at home games. And he may not. He should be. You but, know Dez. Dez will probably be there. If he, I mean, if he is, that's good. But he can't be on the field doing what he needs to be doing. He'll be recovering from surgery. No. So I think it's a good move to do what they want to do because they don't necessarily just want him to put up numbers. Uh, they got receivers to do that. They got the old tight ends to do that. They got Kamara to do that. I just don't think he's going to do what they think he will. You don't think he'll mentor them properly? I just don't think he will because you look at everywhere he's been, nobody's really talked about that about him. Like, everybody's just like, I can't wait to get rid of him, which makes me wonder what kind of locker room guy he actually is. Well, I mean, you can pretty much bet on it that if he starts creating some turmoil in there, yeah. he's he's cut. And I don't think they'd wait any, any time to hesitate to do it. Because, yeah. I mean... It's a league minimum contract as well. They're not losing a crap ton of money on him. No. Nah. I mean, that's a risk they felt like was worth taking. Yeah. So, I mean, you really can't fault what they've done the past few years. So, you just got to trust it and roll with it. What do you think about the future of the NFL coaching? Um, I think some of these old heads that aren't winning are in trouble, such as Mike McCarthy. Yes. Lewis in and um Cincinnati, Harbaugh in Baltimore, whoever the, whoever the heck's in Miami. Well, well, Harbaugh actually Baltimore they're putting together a decent season. They're okay, but people still aren't that happy with him. I think that they're the city of Baltimore is probably ready to move on from him. Yeah. People are even talking about Pete Carroll. I think the Pete Carroll thing is more to do with Seattle's organization as a whole yeah. than actually Pete Carroll. Yeah, I agree. But I see what you're saying. I mean, the three coaches that really come to mind, you have McVay, who's 32, Shanahan, who's 38, and Matt Nagy, who's 40. All these young guys. They're relatively young to be head coaches in the NFL. And they're all offensive geniuses. Yes. I mean, you just look what McVay has done with golf. 
Because everybody was talking after Jared Goff's first year of him being a big, one of the biggest busts ever. Yeah. And now you look, people are talking about him as one of the top quarterbacks in the league oh, because of the system he's in. Yeah. I mean, then you look, 49ers hadn't won anything. I mean, Shanahan's almost won two, should probably have won two games with an undrafted free agent, yes. Nick Mullins. I mean, and then Trubisky hadn't been playing well. Or he he's played okay since he's been in the league last year. He's been inconsistent because he and he's he can looked, put up numbers. And he's looked a lot better this year mm-hmm. under Nagy, coming from Andy Reid. All these guys are young offensive guys. We and when you watch them play, I've watched some of them play this year. When you watch them, they seem to always be in the right play. It's not like they're relying on their receivers just yeah. to get open. The plays that they run are getting their receivers open and getting getting lanes for your running back. Because when you run plays to get your receivers open downfield, you have to drop guys into coverage, and that just opens everything up for your running back. I think that's why Todd Gurley is having such a great season. Yeah. Because everything's open down the field. Like, you just can't stack the box to stop Todd Gurley against them because if you do, McVay's going to see it and go, Okay, I'm just gonna throw it all day, and it's gonna be no problem because they have with the loss of Cooper Cup hurts. Yeah, but I think does. they still have enough talent to where it doesn't hurt them as bad as it would maybe some other team. And it goes back to the, I want to say the first podcast we did, and we were talking about McVay and the difference that he made even in one year. Yeah, it was. It's because when he gets the difference with Jerry Goff mostly, when you when you get these young guys. Offensive. If you're a good offensive-minded person, wow. you're going to tell your quarterbacks there's not going to be any gray area. It is black and white. And I feel like this that is what these three coaches do. And they prepare their quarterbacks mostly to be prepared to play, yeah. no matter who it is. And I think Cleveland needs to, should go out and get a offensive-minded coach. Like I've been listening to Pat McAfee show, and he's saying – or he reported that Bruce Arians says he will come back only for that job. And you see what he did when he was with the Colts and what he did in Arizona. I mean, he's a good quarterback coach. And I feel like that wouldn't be a terrible fit. No, but I feel like the way what Dorsey wants to do in this ownership, they want to bring in a young, offensive-minded guy. And immediately when they say that, and they they won't even have NFL experience. So that takes Lincoln Riley out. The person that really comes to mind to me is Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Is that I feel like they're going to make a push to get him. I agree. Because he has the NFL experience, and he's been with Satan. And sort of calmed him down a little bit, I think. And you have a guy like Baker Mayfield who has a style of play that people say doesn't necessarily will translate to the NFL. I just feel like the main thing in the NFL – Anything can translate as long as you have the right coach. Exactly. Because anything could work in the NFL. It's just that everybody does everything the same way, and every time somebody tries to do something different, they just ridicule them until they stop doing it. Yeah. Because I feel like an up-tempo, high-paced offense in the NFL could work if you could get your team to buy in and actually do it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Because if everybody buys in, nobody else runs out in the NFL. I think Chip Kelly discouraged a lot of people from doing it. Just because he wasn't prepared to handle 
And he never had he a goes. quarterback to do it. Honestly. It, yeah, his best quarterback was what, Nick Foles? Yeah. And Nick Foles can't run. I mean he did good that you know, that one year with him and that was it. Yeah. They got him a contract and got him out of there. But even if you look at, at Chip Kelly now at UCLA, he's implemented some of the things he learned in the NFL. Yeah. Because you don't necessarily have to have the fastest guy no. to run an up-tempo offense in the NFL, or even in college. I mean, you look at Chad Kelly, he wasn't the fastest guy. Bo Wallace wasn't the fastest guy. No. We had one of the highest-paced offenses when they were both at Ole Miss, and neither of them can run away from anybody. Baker Mayfield's not running away from anybody. I mean... But he's mobile enough that if you need to get out of the pocket and make the play, he can. I mean, Justin Herbert up up at Oregon, they run a high-pace offense when they want to, when they want to go fast. And people are talking about him, a top-three quarterback in the draft. So, I mean, it can be done with less athletic quarterbacks. Yeah. It's just you got to have the coach willing enough to do that instead of coming in and saying, okay, we're going to run West Coast, and that's all we're going to do. I think once you limit – and that, this is any coach. Once you limit uh, – your play calling to certain things, certain formations, certain styles, you've already lost. Because you you gotta you gotta implement what players you have, what yeah. system fits your players. It's not all. I think that's a problem with some coaches in the NFL now. They're running what they want to run. It doesn't matter if they have the personnel to run it or not, and that's what hurts you. I think the the best thing that you've seen so that we've seen as far as that. It's, when you're in college, you recruit the players to run your system. But when you get there, it takes time to get those players in. Yeah. For instance. That's why you see a lot of guys graduate from high school in December so they can go ahead and go through spring training mm-hmm. and try and get on the field. And get more experience in the, with the playbook and all that. I mean, those are the freshmen you really see have a big impact rather than the ones that come in in the fall. Yeah. Because they really don't know the playbook yet. But the guys who have been there all spring, they know what to do. Well, the thing is, to me, in college football, the big thing is I I feel like Joe Moorhead's done – he swallowed his pride a little bit and has ran Nick Fitzgerald more than he ever wanted to. Yeah. And he kept the ball from being in the air. And he's had to. And they've actually been progressing a lot with that. Because if they keep throwing the ball like he wanted to – They're going to lose. Yeah. Every ball game. Because he's not a guy who can drop back throw the ball 20, 30 times a game for you. Yeah. He throws the ball 15 times a game. That's a good number for him, I believe. And I think that's fine. And and I think Joe Moorhead finally figured it out after the LSU game. Yeah. This is what we have to do. And this isn't what you're going to see from them no. moving forward. Not one bit. Because he's going to get his quarterback in there. He's going to get a guy. he's going to run his system. And it's going to be a good system to run. But he realized he can't. his system doesn't fit the players he has. Same with Chad Morris. Because I feel like, as much as I hate to say it, if they had a quarterback who could throw the ball vertically downfield and push you down the field. They could beat anybody. Because they have one of the best running back tandems in the country. Mm-hmm. Behind Alabama. They yeah. have one of the best defenses as well. Behind Alabama and Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma has a deep running back step, running back group as well. I would I would say that they have the second best. Yeah. It's close. I just don't think it's as deep as Bama's. Just because nah. Bama's third running back is so far ahead of Oklahoma's. You know what I mean? I'm not saying Oklahoma's is the best. Bama's is the best by far. But I don't think you can argue that Oklahoma's isn't second. Yeah. 
I, I mean, you go find another one out there and let me know about them. I mean, because I haven't seen it. I mean, you lose Rodney Anderson at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that hurts. And you think that's going to kill you? And then you have Sermon and Brooks, and that his name. Yeah, I think so. Twenty six come in, and he's rushed for he rushed for about a hundred yards last week, and he came in the season third on the depth chart. I mean. That's something you usually only find at Alabama, where the third guy on the depth chart could come in and rush for 100 yards against anybody. I think Georgia had their five-star running back not gotten hurt in fall count that they, they would, would be in this be conversation. Yeah, but because, but they're limited just to two. Yeah, but the, yeah, Swift and Holyfield. I mean, they're good because they're both they're two different styles. Swift can break a big one. Yeah, Holyfield can also break it, but he's more of a pounding guy. Because you see, usually, Holyfield will come in and pound in the middle about five or six runs, and they'll bring Swift in, and he'll immediately bust one. Dude, ever since the bye week for them, they figured Swift it has been on the money with his run, just hitting the holes, man. Because he was not having a good season. Mm-mm. And I think in the last three games, he's rushed for 100-plus yards in every one. And he yeah. hadn't had a 100-yard rushing game up until that point. No. And if I'm not mistaken, you have some news of the day with college football. Yeah, about the only good thing coming out of Ole Miss this weekend, A.J. Brown set the record for career for career um, reception yards. And that's he's done that in basically two seasons. Yeah. Because he didn't, he didn't really play the first year. He played. Yeah, yeah but he, didn't, he wasn't targeted a whole lot. No. He probably had maybe 30 catches. I think he wants to come back and put that record out of reach. Because if he comes back, that record may not be touched for a while. And the thing is, if he comes back, DK's coming. And then if you can just convince one other one other player to come back, who? And Greg Little. Yeah. I think that Ole Miss next year would be scary. Could be scary if they could stop somebody. Yeah. Because if DK and AJ are healthy all year, and you have Little blocking for Corral, because he's got some snaps this year, he sort of yeah. knows what's up. And he can spin it. I mean, you give them another full spring, getting getting reps with those guys. I think they have the potential with Scotty coming back also. They have the potential to be put up 30, 40 points a game. Yeah. It's just a matter of if we can stop anybody, and that's a big question. I believe after watching this week, I think we should clean the house and get rid of everybody. You think the writing's on the wall? I I do, because I don't, as much as I'd love to say we do, I don't think we have a chance to win either of the games we have left. Because we go to Vandy, who's been playing well, and they have a good defense. Tommy doesn't play well against good defense. Not one bit. And they like to run the ball. We can't stop the run. So I think that's trouble. And then obviously you know what State likes to do. Rivalry game, you never know. You honestly never know what's going on, but I just don't think that we have a legitimate shot of winning that, you know? Yeah. If it's going to be tough. If you're being honest, we don't really have a shot to win either game. We Our best chance is against Vandy, but that's really it. And Scotty Phillips is only 77-yard shot of breaking the 1,000-yard mark. Hopefully he gets – he's healthy enough yeah. where he can do that. And that, I think that he's had be a great year. Yes, he has. And he's came out of nowhere. I mean, he's been the – Surprise of the season. I think he's been the best. One of our best offensive players all year. 
if not the best offense player we've had this year. Definitely the most consistent. Yeah. You know what you're going to get out of him week in and week out. Yeah. He's going to bust a couple because he he just sees a hole so well, in my opinion, from watching him. He doesn't miss many holes. When he sees it, he just hits it. Yeah. He's not like some of the running backs we've had in the past who like to dance around it and try and bust a big play every time. If he sees a hole where it's like, I'm not going to get maybe five yards here, but it's first and ten. Yeah. He's going to hit it and get those five yards and put you in second and five where you can do a lot. Because second and ten, you have an incomplete pass, your drive's basically over. And we were talking earlier about stacked running backs. And I think Ole Miss, they have Scotty Phillips as a one. Wooler can get in there and do a little bit of damage. Yeah. But after that, it's it's a huge drop off. Yeah. And we, we saw that when Scotty Phillips went down. Yeah, we need somebody. I think we need a good running back recruit to get in here. And I think the kid from prep, if he doesn't go pro in baseball, yeah, will be a good fit. I think he's going to be pretty good because there's a four-star back coming in. If we can get him on campus. That's a big thing, him getting on campus. Yeah, I wish he would come here and play both sports. I mean, he's committed to play both. I mean, he may come play football and take his money in the draft, though, sort of like what A.J. did. Yeah. But I think I'd like to see him play both. I think he'd have more fun playing both. Because if he's that good in baseball and gets on the field here, he's going to get drafted again. Yeah. It's going to be no problem. And you get to play from the Swayze Crazies. And he's one of the only people, him and AJ, to play in both big bowl or be invited. Because he's probably going to play in both the premier baseball game in high school and premier football game in high school. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to go to the Army game or the Under Armour, but he's probably going to play in the Under Armour baseball game, our perfect game. Yeah. And you just don't see that often. What do you think about um, Bama? Tua, Tua got hurt. Yeah. But Saban's come out today and said that Bama will will play Tua. They will play him? Yes. I don't think that's smart. Because he's on – you saw him last week. He took that one hit and he was out the rest of the game. He takes one hit this week that he doesn't need to take. And he over. could be done for the season. And if he's done for the season, I think that ruins their year, especially after Jalen goes and has surgery. Mid-season. He can't nobody, even walk right now. Nobody knows what kind of shape he's in. All we can know is what we saw with the LSU game where he did not look good at all. He needed a cane. And I just think you – they're playing the Citadel this week. You're not – sit him, let Mac Jones go in there. You could probably hand the ball off every play of the game. And still and, win. And win. And win easily and have no problems. So I don't know why you risk him and the rest of your season off of this game. Because if he's healthy enough to play this week, let's be honest, give him a week of rest. He'll be even healthier for the Auburn and game. And he'll be good for the Auburn game. Because you you know what Auburn has. Auburn has a defense. Yes. They may not be able to score, but they have a good defense who can get back there and maybe get some hits on them. Yeah, they have a good front, front four. And you need him to be as healthy as possible for that game in the SEC Championship. And I think for that to happen, I think he needs a week off because he's look, he doesn't look comfortable on it. Yeah, because with a, with a, even if two is out of the picture, Jalen Hurts is pretty much out of the picture. I mean, he can't walk, so much less play. 
I think he's getting close, though. That's going to put them at a very beatable team. Because I think they let him have that surgery, whereas if something happens, you're going to be back for the playoff. And I think that's why they did it at that time. Instead of continue to play him and really ruin it, and then he's done no matter what. But even from Tua to Jalen, when Tua's on the field and he's 100% healthy and he's playing like he plays every week, this looks like an unbeatable Alabama team. It is. And so when you go to someone like, like Jalen Hurts and, or Matt Jones, They're I think beatable. that makes this a very beatable football team, especially in the score. SEC championship. If you can score. Yeah. That's the thing, though. Their defenses look very well. And I don't – and I think looking at their defense, I mean, I may be wrong, but I think they can win scoring 21 points. Yeah. Against who they have the rest of the way. I think they can score 21 against Georgia, and it'll be close. But I think they could pull it out only having 21. Just that's the way their defense is played. Because I think they're best suited, other than LSU, to stop Georgia's run game. And you saw what LSU did to it. Yeah. And if you stop Georgia's run game, I don't think they're going to score much. No, I mean, Jake Fromm definitely would have to open it up and go across the middle. He would have to win you the game. Yeah. Which he can do. And I think he's going to have to win them that game. Because I don't think the running game will be there as much as they need it to be. Or as much as it has been against other teams that they've handled, like Florida and Kentucky. They're not going to have the explosion like that. They may have 150 combined yards, and that'd be a great day, in my opinion. But if you only have 150 yards rushing, your quarterback needs to have a great day if you're Georgia. Because they rely on getting like two fifty, three hundred a game. Yeah. Well, the thing with uh, and I'll go on a little rant about it. I hate when people try to discredit Jake Fromm and what he does because can he throw the ball across the middle very well? No. no. Does he win you ball games? Yes. I mean, and it baffles me watching Jake Fromm because when he throws across the middle, he just looks terrible sometimes. Sometimes he looks good, but majority of the time he looks terrible throwing across the middle. And then he'll throw an out route from the opposite hash 50 yards across the field, and it'll be right on the money. Anything outside the numbers that Jake Fromm throws, yes. he's probably the best quarterback in the country throwing outside the numbers. Yeah. And I don't understand because supposedly that's the toughest throw to make. And if he could just throw it across the middle, I don't think you could stop him. Yeah. But he struggles across the middle for some reason. And I was like, watching games Saturday, I just don't understand it. How you can throw the ball that well across the field and to the outside. I mean, he's, I told you, he's probably the best in the country. And I think that really what gets under my skin about it is, this is a guy who stepped in and led this team to a national championship last year. Uh-huh. And as a true freshman. Couldn't even talk to the media. And you got the guy, Justin Fields, coming in, who is a very good football player, highly touted recruit. Yeah. And people are like, well, we need to give this highly touted recruit a shot and all this and that. Okay, well, Jake Fromm was a highly touted recruit. He was a five-star quarterback. Yeah. Just like Justin Fields. Now, can he do everything that Justin Fields can do? No. But I'm not sure Justin Fields can make every throw that Jake Fromm can make. No. But we don't know that because when Joe Spills comes in the game, you know what's coming. 
and I and I told you this that they should just let him launch one, just to keep defensive defenses honest. If they're gonna down do the it, stretch, they need to good. They need to do it because, or I think they're just saving it for the SEC championship game. Honestly, maybe to, I mean, to give a different look with things. I mean, they have to be saving his throw for that game, and I think Saban knows that as smart as he is. He'll recognize it when they're in a formation that doesn't quite look exactly the same as they have. And I think he'll just audible to it as smart as they are. Because he'll tell his signal caller on defense what to look for when he comes in the game. And if he sees something out of the ordinary, check it to this or call a timeout. And I just think, I think they're saving it for that game. And I think everybody knows it. Kelly Bryant has announced that he will make – oh, he's made an announcement that he's going to make his announcement. A lot of announcements. December 4th is uh, when he said he, that he'll make his final announcement to where he'll be next year. And where do you think that he'll go? And he's already listed – I'll give you the, the list of them. It's Missouri, Auburn, Mississippi State, North Carolina, Miami, and Arkansas. Like you said, Arkansas would be a great fit just because of Chad Morris and all. I'm still not convinced that he'll go there, though, just because I don't know if he thinks that they're competitive enough or that their defense will be competitive enough. I think he just wants to get in and play and show what he can do for the next level. But the Miami thing's interesting because I don't know their schedule next year, but I know they're – aren't they in Clemson's – they're opposite of Clemson and mm-hmm. ACC, aren't they? Yeah. That's just interesting because if he could go in there and win with Miami and get to the ACC championship against Clemson, that would just be interesting to watch. So I think I think those are the two main schools in it right now. But you never know with kids like this, you know? Yeah, and I think also the reason that he- – He'd be a good fit in Joe Moorhead's system. I pray he doesn't go there. Yeah, that was. I mean, that's the thing too, because I feel like he can fit in the Arkansas system. But I if you look at the Arkansas system and Moorhead system, I think Moorhead's is better. They're very similar. Yeah. But I, the reason I said from day one, Arkansas, because of the connection with Morris, and even when he's interviewed, all he talks about is Chad Morris yeah. and how straightforward he's been about the whole situation. I'd like to see him in Miami, though. I think Rich going to be the reason he doesn't go. Maybe. And it's not a knock on Kelly Bryant at all. It's just that Mark Rick doesn't know what he wants to do with his quarterbacks, and he's got these young, talented guys, and he doesn't I think play if he them. comes in, if he goes there, they have to have the set. We're going to run this with you. Yeah. This is the system we're going to run. We're not going to change it. This is what we're going to do. And I don't really think he wants to. I think he just wants to go somewhere where he knows that he will be the guy immediately. Uh, and I think the, the North Carolina thing he is going to get taken guy. out because I don't like, know if Larry Fedora makes it out. Every school that he's mentioned, though, he would definitely be the guy. Yeah, no doubt. Because he would definitely be the guy. There's not a guy on uh, Arkansas roster that can beat him out or no. states. No. Missouri's I, losing Drew Locke. I just think – I think states would be sort of complicated because Thompson's had a year in that system. And if it was close, 
I think he would go with Thompson because he's been in the system. That's the only thing I think about there. I think Kelly Bryant should beat him out. It shouldn't be a problem if he goes there. Yeah. But I think him being in the system a year hurts. Well, the thing is, is – Hurts Kelly Bryant's chances a little bit. But Kelly Bryant is ten times the passer that Thompson is. Are you sure? Yes. I don't know. I don't, I don't think Thompson can, can move the ball down field like Kelly Bryant has been able to. I don't know. We'd have to see it. And he's older and he, he can pick up this – I think he can pick up the system very easily. But – I still I put if I was gonna put money on it I put Arkansas is where he ends up. He still has to take visits to to a few places. He's gonna be in Starkville this weekend. Yeah, Who do they play Arkansas. Uh, that may be why he chose this week. So, I think that that's gonna hurt a little bit because it's so late in the process for him. Yeah. I think he's about got his mind made up. And then he's got to go to Miami in old, was it Auburn? Yeah. In the following weeks. So, I mean, but you know, you never know. State's got that money, man. They do. I mean, they threw it at Cam Newton. Maybe they're going to throw it at Kelly Bryant. I think they upped their price this time because they missed out on him last time. They missed out on the big quarterback last time. I don't think they miss out again. It'd be crazy if Auburn actually outbuilt him again. And, That'd be fun. Got another quarterback. I'd love that. Yeah. But you never know. And also, with Gus Malzahn being on the hot seat every year, every day of his life in Auburn, this could be a big gift for him. Yeah. And it could actually help his chances to keep his job. Oh, he gets him. He stays. Uh, one guy that we know is not staying. Bobby Petrino has been fired effective immediately. From Louisville. Who didn't see that coming? And honestly, I figured it would have just happened at the end of the season because they waited so long to do it. I just think the big loss at Syracuse was enough for them. But the thing is, I mean, you still got two more. Okay, so David Beattie gets fired from Kansas, but they say finish out the year. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like probably what they should have done here. Yeah. I don't know. And, I mean, it's going to be crazy because – I guess because if he had beat Kentucky in that last – if something happened, he beat Kentucky, they would have had, probably said, okay, we'll have to give you another chance because – I don't think so after Kentucky loses to Tennessee this past week. But the thing is, is people remember what you do towards the end. They A lot of times they forget the that's things why that you I, do at the beginning. That's why I hope we lose out. I mean, I hate to say that because I'd really love to see us win. But I'd really hate to see Matt Luke be our head coach next year, even more than I want us to win. I don't think Matt Luke's going to go anywhere, even if they lose out. I think just uh, the coordinators will do I it. I don't think he should be the head coach here anymore because he's proven time in, time and time again. Who's in charge of timeouts? He is. Okay. Well, I know for a fact we've had three games where we've taken timeouts at the end of halves, which have cost us all three times. I mean, you look at state game last year, calls a timeout right before the half, trying to get the ball back. They get down and get a field goal, which ended up almost costing us that game. Yeah. And then you look this year, I don't remember what FCS school it was, but we call a timeout when we're, we just went down and scored. We're getting the ball coming out of the half. We call a timeout. Next play, they go, yah, yah. 
70 yards to the house. I mean, just getting the house. I mean, just some of the calls that he makes, because you know he's behind some of them. They're just questionable. I don't agree with any of them. Well, I mean, the thing is now... I just think he's put together two good recruiting classes, and that's why he's still here. But the court, if, if the coordinators leave, I'm not so sure that... Because a lot of times when you fire a coordinator, you're if, next. If the coordinators come in and don't do anything, he's done. Because I heard something other that you only you usually only get one reset. Yeah. And this would be his reset. But do you actually – here's my thing on it, though. With the bowl band being in place this year, and he knows you can't go to a bowl game, so it really doesn't matter if you win. Do you yeah, think that he only nice kept he only kept these guys, Longo, McGriff, because he didn't want to he didn't want to bring in any, anything new to these guys. But the thing is, I agree with what I I can see with what you're saying, but we're putting together a pretty decent recruiting class this year. And if we're going to clean house, we need guys in here as quick as possible. The new coordinators need to be here as quick as possible. And that's one of the only advantages that we have of not going to a bowl. We can go ahead and start recruiting. If you know who you're getting, if you can go ahead and get them, you can go ahead and start recruiting and be up on everybody. Yeah, the Friday think, after the Thanksgiving. But I think that hurts because you now have the early signing period of December. But you helped them and out last year. It does, but if you fire everybody, does that does that in turn you lose recruits? That's a, yeah, that's a good point. And that's the thing. Like I'd go ahead and get rid of them as quick as possible, so you can go ahead and tell your recruits who you have. Because even if that guy's on another staff, he can go ahead and commit to us and start recruiting, sort of like what Herman did when he went to Houston from Ohio State, yeah. and what you see guys do with Kiffin and other things. They go ahead and go on the trail recruiting for their other schools, but they're still coaching their team. So, Scott Frost did it. His yeah. entire staff went to Nebraska, but they said, you know what, we're going to finish this thing out with our guys. Yeah. And we're every back. day he was on a plane going to houses, recruiting for Nebraska, and coming back and coaching for UCL. Yes. And I think if we can go ahead and say we're parting ways with these guys and fire the assistants you want to get rid of yeah, and say – Okay, we're talking to this guy. This guy's pretty interested. And if he could go ahead and commence, he can go ahead and talk to these recruits that we have committed and keep them here. But if you wait long enough, it can screw you. Here's a good question. If what we think is going to happen happens with the with the coordinators being fired and the assistants. I think they should both be gone. Do you think that there's already plans in place for the for the guys coming in? And they're just waiting to make an announcement for it? I'd like to think that, but with Ross Bjork, I cannot. I don't think he's that smart. Well, I mean, he's a sketchy guy, so he um, may be going behind people's backs doing it. I don't think it. he's smart enough to figure that out. Who are some guys that you would look at, though, that you may would want? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Matt Luke had to have had yeah. some some notebook, something somewhere, or just in the back of his mind, guys that he wanted to get for his staff – because he wasn't guaranteed this Ole Miss job, and he was pretty much said that he was going to go to South Alabama or somewhere like that. Yeah. But I think you can get better coordinators here than you can in South Alabama. Yeah. And I think guy that's been here in the past, I'm not really sure his offensive numbers, but has just become a coordinator that used to coach here. 
you look at Hurd, Grant Hurd. Yeah. Ain't that his name? He's yeah. offense coordinator in Indiana right yeah. now. I mean, that could be a name that you could throw in. He would maybe come back. And I think – Do you think you need to go get – like we talked in the NFL earlier, young offensive head coaches. Do you think you go get a young guy? Yeah. You look, you look at FAU, Lane Kiffin got a 24-year-old to be his offensive yeah. coordinator, which we know who's calling the plays there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think you go look at your offensive head coaches that are big time in college football right now. I mean, who would you say are the biggest ones right now? Biggest what? Offensive-minded head coaches in college football. Uh, Lane Kiffin's up there for one. There's one. Um, I, I would like to say Chris Peterson yes. is up there. Yes. And – but – Here's the thing, though. You have Lincoln Riley. You have Mike Leach. Mike Gundy. But the thing I is, think, those think, guys, they're not all of them fit the system that they probably want to run. No, but I think you go and look. You go and look under these guys who's been a constant. Yeah. That's been in the system a while, that knows it, that's sort of young, maybe a wide receiver coach, or – off, not an offensive line coach. We don't need another one of those in here. But a quarterback's coach, preferably. Yeah. Who's been under these guys we've talked about and know what they like to do. And I think you go get one of them and take a chance on them. If you can't get a name, I think that's where you should look. And the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. You look at LSU. You go get somebody from under Aranda. You go get somebody from under Saban or Jimbo or somebody along those lines. Oh, under Brent Venables? Yeah. Anybody like that, I think you go get one of their linebacker coaches. And I think you go get somebody. I think a big thing also is. Because it's hard to find coordinators. Because guys who are already coordinators at other D1s aren't going to come. You have to look at places like Colorado State. Yeah. Some of the smaller schools. Schools like that. A group of five. Yeah. Because if you're an offensive coordinator at a power five school, you're your next really step is to be a coach. head coach at a group of five school, more yes. than likely. Yes. I, I think the one of the big things is you need to go get a strength and conditioning coach from somebody under Nick Saban. Or Kirby. Or, you know, Dabo Sweeney. Somebody like that. And it doesn't even have to be theirs. It could be somebody that's under theirs, you know? Because we look dog tired yeah. in the fourth quarter all year long. Colorado State, their head coach is still Mike Bobo, right? Yes, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, I mean is. they're they're not having a great year for their standards or what they usually do. Uh, Maybe he's out there and wants to be a coordinator again, but I don't know how that would fit here because we don't have. It's back. definitely something to keep your own, especially moving forward in the last couple of weeks of college football. Yeah. But real quick, we're going to get into our top six. I'm pretty sure they haven't changed for you, but give me your top six. It's still Bama, Clemson, Michigan, Notre Dame. And then I have Oklahoma and Georgia at five and six. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, just because they're undefeated. Yeah. And then I'm going to say Georgia at my four. And the only reason I say that is because I think they've been playing really well. Yeah, I just don't. I just can't put them there because I truly believe they're going to lose to Bama, and that puts them out. And then I have Michigan five, and at six, 
I think you can toss around. You said Oklahoma. You can, you can toss around a lot of things. You can put Oklahoma there. You can put Washington State there. You can put West Virginia there. But uh, Ohio State there. You can put any of those teams there. I'm going to stick with you, and I'm going to agree with you. And I'm going to go Oklahoma because they've been playing really good football offensively. Yeah, and I think if they went out, here's a scenario for you. Oklahoma wins out, wins the Big 12. Ohio State beats Michigan and loses. Or, no, Ohio State beats Michigan and wins the Big 10. Wins the Big 10 championship game. Which one of those teams do you ta- do they take? Because I believe if that happens, both those scenarios happen, whether West Virginia wins it or if West Virginia or Oklahoma win the Big 12. They both have one loss, correct? Yeah. So either of those teams went out in the Big 12 won the Big 12 championship. And Ohio State beats Michigan and wins the Big Ten. Which one of those schools do you take? Because right now you're telling me that Oklahoma would be a better team than Ohio State mm-hmm. in the rankings. Does a win over Michigan just leapfrog them? Is a win over Michigan enough to jump you that far when they're going to have when West Virginia or Oklahoma will have that win over each other? Is it enough to and, put them over the top? And here's the thing. They played Oklahoma-West Virginia the last game of the year. Yeah. And then they're probably going to have a tournament the next week and play each other. Yes. Unless. I think, and when I say this, I'm talking strictly from what I think the committee would do, not what I would do. They would see that the Ohio State win over Michigan would be better than these wins. Personally, I, I would take Oklahoma. I don't think you can. Because you see... What happens? Their best chance is Michigan winning out. Yeah. Because Michigan's already up there. And if Michigan doesn't lose, Michigan is in. But if they lose, you have you have Ohio State playing Northwestern. Yeah. And then if Oklahoma wins, you have Oklahoma turn around playing West Virginia again. Where in the AP poll they're ranked. Six and seven. Yeah, I was about to say they're back to back. They're six and seven, so that it would be. If they split those games, they're both out. Yeah, there's no. Agree question. with that. Yeah. If they split, they're out. If Oklahoma goes and wins both games, you beat a number seven West Virginia. And you and beat them twice. Around, and turn around and play them again and beat them. That's better than Ohio State beating Michigan and Northwestern. I just think that Northwest, if Wisconsin was what everybody thought they were this year, yeah, I think if you beat Michigan and go beat Wisconsin with a one loss, that is no, it's no argument. Even if they played Iowa, if Iowa had beat Northwestern this past weekend, yeah. that might be That's a, a better to win. Yeah, but I just think with well, Northwestern teams, finally got an AP top twenty-five. So yeah. coming out tonight, we'll probably see where they end up. But Oklahoma has to win that game. Yeah, or Oklahoma's out. Oklahoma doesn't go to the Big 12 championship. My my opinion. Texas would. And I know it's probably your opinion as well. If Oklahoma wins out and Ohio State wins out, I say take Oklahoma because they play better football. Yes. And even their loss is not nearly as bad uh-uh. as Ohio State's. A loss to Texas is not as bad as a loss to Purdue. And, in, and they lost to Texas by a field goal. Yeah. Whereas... Purdue I'm, beat the brakes off Ohio State. Yeah, because Ohio State's sitting at 9-10. Yeah. 
Kyler Murray still your favorite to win the Heisman? Tua is right now. But it's a three-horse race. Okay. There's only three people right now that I truly believe could win the Heisman. If t- something happens to Tua, like if Tua would have missed these last two games, I think the winner of the Oklahoma-West Virginia game would get it. Yeah. But if he plays and still puts up numbers, you have to give it to him. I think it's closer now than it has been because of Tua's knee where he's going to have to. He's probably not going to play as well. Yeah. And he's not going to look as good as he has. He's probably not going to play as much either. And I think that hurts him. Yeah. Because you look, if Oklahoma wins, they have to beat West Virginia and get in the Big 12 championship. Because if they lose, they don't have, they're not in. Texas would go to play West Virginia, which I believe would give Will Greer beats Oklahoma and then turns around and beats Texas again. I think that throws him right in it. Yeah. I, I agree that I think it's a three-horse race at this time. Because there's a scenario where each could win. Mm-hmm. You have Oklahoma winning out and two and not playing well. Because I think if West Virginia wins out, I think that could catapult him all the way up. Yeah. But it all depends on how Tua plays. Because if he continues to play well, it's his. So you think he's just the catalyst for everything? It depends on yeah. how he plays. Yeah, I honestly do. That's fair. That's a, that's a good assessment. A really good assessment. So but, do you have any final thoughts on this podcast that we start to close it out? But but if he – I think even if he plays well, the only thing that could beat him would be an absolute blowout by one of these other two quarterbacks. They would just have – it had to be a 600 total yard offense game. I think that's the only way you can beat Tua without him having bad games. But – my final thought would be uh, rest in peace to Stan Lee. Marvel yeah. comic guy passed away yesterday. So you got really into Marvel when we watched Thor Ragnarok. You you said you hated Marvel and everything, and yeah. I got you to watch it, and you love it. Yeah. Yeah. Some um, of them, not all of them. Well, yeah. I mean, that's with any anything. Um. Yeah. That's that was really sad. I've been a fan of Marvel comics. Uh, you've seen my encyclopedias, my nerd books in there. That's sad. Uh, my final thoughts. He lived a long life. Is congratulations to Herm Edwards and the Arizona State Sun Devils by doing something that nobody in the preseason said that they could do, and they're bowl eligible now. Yeah. And I think that's a big get for Arizona State and for just Herm Edwards and his coaching staff. I agree. And I've been on his train since the day they hired him. Sort of reminds you of when he Freeze got here, huh? Yeah. They just won six games, seven games, eight games, nine games, ten games, eleven games. Maybe that's what Herm Edwards does for them. And I and it's all about recruiting. It is. And if he can get him a good running back in with this system, he's got to get a new quarterback next year too. Yeah. We got to see how that plays out. And. There's some good quarterbacks down in Arizona. Yeah. I think the number one quarterback in the country is in Arizona, but he's not going to go to Arizona State. He's going to Oklahoma. And so I think that hurts, hurted him a little bit. Hurt, hurt Arizona State a little bit, him coming in a little late. Because I feel like her members probably could have convinced him to come, but not this late in the, in, in the process. Yeah. But uh, we'll give you all an update on Twitter tonight about what our thoughts are on the rankings as they come out. And we hope you all have a great week, and we'll see you all Friday.